Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall. Later on, Grant will have a one-on-one chat with U.S. men's national team and FC Nantes midfielder Alejandro Bedoya, so definitely stick around for that. Very uh, interesting and entertaining conversation, to say the least. But let's start, Grant, uh, with Champions League. Uh, Just an absolute classic in Munich. Second leg of Bayern Munich, Juventus. Bayern was down. Uh, two goals on aggregate, scored four goals, including two in extra time to go through. Pep Guardiola went from uh, his his obituary to now now the the chase is on. He he's still alive uh, for that elusive Champions League with with Bayern. Um, what just what did you think of of that game and everything? Just an epic epic day at the uh, Allianz Arena. Uh, Pep Guardiola's legacy is was basically on the line. At least his Bayern legacy was on the line. I mean, if if Bayern were to go out of Champions League and they looked like they were, then uh, a lot of people would view Pep Guardiola's time at Bayern as a failure. Uh, He has yet to get Bayern to a Champions League final. That is something his predecessors were able to do and and win them. And uh, even the term choke, I think, was appropriate for a while based on what Bayern had done. They had gone up two goals in the first leg away at Juventus and then let Juventus back in it to 2-2 and then conceding two goals in the first half to Juve, including an amazing run by Morata uh, before Cuadrado had a really nice finish. Uh, And and the crazy thing is that Juventus could have had more in the first half, probably should have had more. There was a bad referee call uh, when there was a ball in the back of the net, uh, disallowed that goal. And then just a fantastic save by Manuel Neuer on Cuadrado uh, to keep it at 2 nothing on the day. Bayern, in the last 20 minutes, comes on uh, with just a terrific performance by uh, Kingsley Coman in a substitutes role. And you know, clearly, the Bayern substitutes much better than the Juve substitutes. Uh, that's when things started going south for Juve. Two late goals for Bayern, and they put him away in extra time. Yeah, the depth for both teams was tested. I mean, both were dealing with a ton of injuries. Coleman, I mean, he's a Juventus player on loan at Bayern. That's got to that's gotta hurt so much. Um, but, of course, it was Lewandowski and Thomas Mueller coming through in the end for Bayern. I mean, they're two of the best at, at what they do, Mueller especially in big games. I mean, he's he's just done so much. I don't think he gets nearly the credit he, he deserves, um, you know, worldwide on just the, a status level. Um, and, and, yeah, here's here's Pep Guardiola, who, who's Manchester City team, by the way, who— which is also in the quarterfinals, uh, isn't a sure thing to make Champions League next year. So you could be looking at at this as the last chance for a couple of years for Pep to to lift that trophy again. Um, and and if he had gone out, I mean, <laughs> wonder what the fine print on on his agreement with Man City is. Well, you look at this game, and it's pretty rare for us to see world champions like Philip Lahm and some of the best players in the world like Bayern has and Pep Guardiola really be desperate and really up against it. And so you don't get that opportunity too often to see how they respond in those situations. And this week they responded really well. So uh, that's what you want in Champions League. I got to admit, Champions League group stage can be a little tedious, but once we hit the knockout rounds, you get moments like this that you live for if you're a soccer fan. And uh, this was something, a day, a game that people are going to remember for a long time. Absolutely. And the quarterfinal field is is stacked. We're taping this before the draw. Uh, Wolfsburg and, and Benfica are the two, you know, underdogs, I guess you could say. But, you know, PSG, Atletico Madrid, Man City, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, 
uh, it's it's just a who's who. Um, and and speaking of Barcelona, they they dispatched Arsenal in the round of sixteen, like I think most expected that they would. Poor Arsenal cannot catch a break with the draw for this round, and even when they do, like last year against Monaco, can uh, can't take advantage of it. Um, but Barcelona never really never really threatened. All Messi, Neymar, Suarez, they all scored. Arsenal did have a moment. They got back on on the board through El Nene and uh, and was you know if they could have maybe gotten one more. Kind of put Barcelona to on the back heel, but you never really got the sense that that was going to happen. No, you didn't. And Arsenal's going through a tough stretch right now. And you look at the overall way they played this tie against Barcelona. Not terrible, you know. The the first parts of the first game, not bad at all. But Barcelona is just playing on such a high level right now. Whenever they play, that uh, this one was never really in doubt. And I think the question right now is, can anyone beat Barcelona in Europe? And uh, Right now, it's kind of hard to think of anybody. Yeah, and and we were talking about this uh, before taping over a two-leg series. It definitely seems impossible. A one-off, you never know, right? A red card, uh, a call goes a certain way, an injury happens, and all of a sudden the game changes, uh, and and a team can be left scrambling. Uh, but Barcelona's unbeaten in 38 games. 38 <laughs> games. It's stupid. Um, and it's just you have to be perfect to beat them. There's no, you know, one Arsenal looked fine again at the beginning of the second leg. They were carving out chances. Um, you know, forced Sir Stegen and, and Jeremy Matthew made made a, a sliding block to prevent a, a clear shot. It wasn't like they didn't have opportunities, but then, you know, the second you blink, Messi's on the break, Neymar's on the break, Suarez and you know, Suarez's volley out of, you know, it's physically looked impossible at the time and and he pulls it off. Uh these are just things that that no team, no matter how good they are, seem to be able to figure out. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. You love watching this sport when it's played at this level. Uh, right now, watching Barcelona is an event. And also right now, watching Leicester City games is an event. But it's an event. These are events for different reasons. With Leicester, you're just wanting to see if this amazing story can continue and win the Premier League. With Barcelona, it's an event because they're doing things, as Arsene Wenger said yesterday, that are things we just don't normally see that, what did he say, Messi takes the sport from, uh, you know, into an art form. Uh, and that's true, but it's so rare to see something like this at the highest levels of the game. You know, Arsenal's not a bunch of punks, and there were moments when Messi and Barcelona were just doing these incredible things uh, that made them kind of look like punks. <laughs> yeah, just the the level of the same page that they are on is is it feels unprecedented um before the four excuse me before the quarterfinal draw um if i gave you barcelona or the field who are you taking good one uh i don't think barcelona's unbeatable i still would take barcelona uh in that case uh i don't think bayern right now is playing that great despite their escape uh i still think it it seems to be a pattern with Guardiola that Bayern looks unbeatable in the fall and beatable in the spring. We've seen that in the Bundesliga as well. Um, you know, you look at other teams. Atletico Madrid had a very Atletico Madrid way of advancing against PSV. And in a one-game scenario, they can muck it up and, and they know Barcelona very well. They're capable of beating them, I, I guess. Uh, Real Madrid, if their talent is clicking, they're capable um, but I'll still take Barcelona against the field. Yeah, it's March Madness, right? We got to get into the the bracket, the bracket talk, and and who's going to beat the field uh, in these in these one offs or or you know two like series. Um, I PSG, I 
I just wonder now that, I mean, they've won their league, um, but they're so talented and, and they seem to be on a mission. I, I do wonder if they'd be able to to pull it off. Um, I, I If I was a betting man, I'd, I'd pick Barcelona, though. Um, and we haven't seen a, a team repeat in the Champions League since AC Milan. Um, so that would be quite the feat um, if Messi, Neymar, Suarez, and Co. can pull it off. Um, we're going to take a quick break, come back with Alejandro Bedoya and Grant Wall, one-on-one. The NCAA tournament is underway, and SI.com has the podcast for you to recap all the action every night. Uh, Ted Keith and David Gardner will be doing tourney talk after every night of NCAA tournament action. You can find it all on the SI.com podcast network on iTunes, Stitcher, and SI.com slash podcast. got a great guest today. He's a midfielder on the U.S. national team who's on a nice run of form with Nantes, which is in sixth place in the French League, but only three points behind third place Nice. He's Alejandro Bedoya. Ale, thanks for joining the Planet Football Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, rather impressed by the, the way you pronounce Nantes. Did I do okay? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, a lot of people actually pronounce the S and yeah, you did well. <laughs> How is your French, by the way? It's all right. It's all right. Enough to hold the conversation and can handle myself well at restaurants and everything. So, Okay, nice. Uh, obviously, things are really busy right now with Nantes. Uh, you're coming off a, a 2 nothing win against Angers, which I hope I pronounced correctly. <laughs> and on Saturday, you've got a tough game at Lyon. The top three teams in the league qualify for Champions League. You're three points out of third place right now. How are things going over there? Yeah, it's, it's been it's very interesting. Um, besides PSG just, you know, pulling away the championship, uh, the, the league is pretty tight. And, um, I mean, it's not much of, of a difference between second place to 10th to place. Um, so it's a battle this weekend is, is big games. I, I think, uh, we play Lyon and I think, um, a couple of the other top, uh, you know, six teams play each other. So it's a big weekend. Um, uh, so we're looking forward to it. Uh, the, the city's trying getting in, the you know, they're getting their hopes up, uh, ambitions, ambitions, uh, are close to getting a European spot and, uh, uh, we're right there. So hopefully we can hang toward the top. You've been an automatic starter for not uh what's the best way to describe your team and the way it plays yeah uh well personally it's you know it's kind of how i play with the national team sometimes being a versatile player you know i've played uh, on both sides of the midfield and as a center mid as well and right behind the striker like a like a second forward or you know a nine and a half i'd call it okay um but um uh, as a team, we, you know, we, we it's kind of one of the, like a defense first. You know, the coach was a, a defender in his time, in his playing days. So it's always about more, you know, defending, staying compact. And, and when we win the ball back, try to win it as high as possible so that we can, you know, break out on the counter and, and get the goal as quick as possible. So um, that's kind of been our style of play. And, and it's, um, you know, if you can see the stats, you know, we're the lowest scoring team. Um, but on the other side of things, where the second least um, goes loud in the league, so um, that's how we've been. We've been able to stick up to the top, you know, not allowing many goals, and, and when, we, when we get some of the chances, being able to convert them. 
every country is different, obviously, in this sport. You've played in Sweden, Scotland. You're now in France. What's different about the French League? What makes the French League special? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, my time in Sweden, Sweden's very tactical. You know, they're all about the tactics in, in Sweden. You know, we can study video like two hours. <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole training session could be just video and, you know, your shape and everything like this. Uh, Scotland was a bit different. Um, you know, I played for a big club in Rangers and it was more, there wasn't really tactics at all. It was more like, you know, you play for Rangers, you're supposed to be the best in Scotland and go out there and show yourself that you're the best and, and, and play. So, but, uh, here in France, you, you just combine all that, you know, um, it's very tactical. I was surprised at how tactical it was. You know, I thought it was, I was going to come to France to, to see a lot more, just all about offensive attacking soccer. Um, but you know, I was taken back by how tactical we, we were, you know? Um, so it is about a lot of shape, but you combine that with the, the technique of the players are a lot better. Um, the pace of the game is a lot better and the physicality. Yeah. Um, a lot of these uh, players come from all over the place. Uh, a lot of African players who are just so strong physically and everything. And um, so I had to, you know, it was some growing pains in the beginning, but, you know, I think I adjusted well. And, uh, yeah, when you're surrounded by, by quality players, you know, it, um, it, it helps you grow your game. It seems like there's a lot of buzz right now about young French players. You and I talked the other day about Usman Dembele uh, from Rennes. Uh, obviously, Anthony Martial has gone straight to Man United, uh, another teenager, and and done well. Um, you know, Lacazette uh, for Lyon. You're facing this weekend. Uh, is there? Does I? It really seems like there's a ton of talent right now in, in the French league. A ton of young talent. Uh, what are you seeing? Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. It's it's kind of frightening sometimes when you see some of the talent that comes in and plays. You know. Uh, every weekend here, um, you mentioned Dembélé already. He's on, in the papers every every day. Something new, new clubs looking at him. Um, but just all over the league, you know, you have guys like Buffal at Lille, um, players at Monaco like Lamar. Who, you know, these guys are starting week in and week out, and, and they're making a name for themselves already. And you know, people kind of sometimes want to bash maybe the French league because they look at PSG and say, how can the team win the league and uh, so early? But you know, that, that's a strong team. And um, uh, but the, I think the league is is very competitive, um, as you can see with all the other teams fighting for for places for European spots and, and these young players coming through. Uh, how many players heard of uh, Marshall before going to Man United? Like, who's this kid signing for this amount of money at Man U? And he goes there and does well. You see the guys, players like Mares, uh, Conte, you know, both at Leicester, you know, performing great over there. Um, guys like Dimitri Payet, uh, killing it for West Ham. Uh, Andre Ayew. I mean, I'm just the list goes on and yeah. on of, of French exports who have done well, and and you know, and let's say English league, which so many many people think it's the best league. But there's 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 a lot of new players coming up, and and there's got some really bright talent here in, in League One, which is which is cool to be a part, uh, well, see and, and play against. I wanted to ask you about something in particular, which is the "I believe that we will win" chant, which has been so popular for U.S. national team fans, but you got that going inside the not locker room, and there's some great videos out there on, on YouTube of these French guys singing this you know, American song with you leading them. What's the story behind that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the story is, is pretty interesting. Uh, when I first got here, 
Uh, obviously, I didn't speak any uh, much French at all, other than the basic words. And um, but every time we we won, you know, the victory chant would would be a, a random one, whatever the the guys just came up with then and there. So it took until I scored my first goal, um, which I'm sure U.S. fans would love that I scored against Ochoa. Um, <laughs> but that was my first goal. And um, after the game, there, you know, come on, uh, Bedoya, to you know, make a chant or you know, do a victory chant. So. I don't even know. It was just the first thing that came to my mind um, from watching, you know, uh, spending so much time on online and on YouTube. I thought that channel was kind of cool, you know, seeing it on in the ba- in basketball arenas and it looked cool. So um, I just went for it and the guys loved it. And I don't know, for whatever reason, they thought it was really cool. Um, the the club put up a video of it, of our celebration on- online. And, you know, I was getting tweets and the club was as well about how the fans thought it was really cool. And so it just stuck with the team. And it's been our victory chant ever since then. And we sing it every after every game. Um, if I'm not part of the team, you know, because of illness or injury, um, one of the other French guys takes over and, and we'll do the chant. So it's, I mean, it's talk about, um, I don't even know, I- ironic how an American can come here and kind of have a big influence in their French French team, French people. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Um, Now, you also have uh, a baby. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. And uh, it's an interesting time when you look around U.S. soccer. There's several guys uh, who who are new parents, whether it's you, Landon Donovan, Chris Wondolowski just had another kid, Stu Holden uh, just did. How does that change your life? Uh, And also just how does that change kind of your day-to-day with like your sleep patterns and, and making sure you're prepared to, to play? Yeah, those are all great questions. Um, and don't forget about my, my, my friend Charlie Davies, twins. <laughs> so yes, it's uh, everybody caught the, <laughs> caught the vibe, but um, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's a blessing. Really. It is. Uh, did you see him grow? So, uh, you know, he's, his birthday is actually tomorrow. So nice. um, it's just a, uh, it's a life changer. Um, you know, the first couple months are actually very hard for, for, for both parents. Um, uh, a lot of coffee, sleepless nights, and uh, white noise became my favorite thing ever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the first the first couple months is very difficult because, you know, the baby, at least for, for us, he had, you know, stomach pains and, and would, would, would cry a lot and wake up a lot in the night. So, but I had a, you know, a great girlfriend and Bea, Beatrice, who... Um, she took all the nights, you know, let me sleep in. And I guess as a soccer player, we get that kind of luxury. We get that excuse of saying, you know, I have to be fit for training or fit for the game. So I, I must have my rest and my sleep. So, you know, she was able to take care of the nights. But, um, yeah, it's changed me a lot, you know, day to day, you know. Um, instead of spending my, my downtime, you know, maybe playing uh, video games or just uh, surfing the web and stuff, you know, I spend time. Uh, you know, just playing with him and, you know, um, uh, helping, helping out, you know, with feedings and stuff while she can take a nap and everything. So it's definitely cool, but I'll definitely, as he gets older, I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. Um, uh, hopefully he becomes a soccer player and, and let him know how to, how to deal with the media. Hype. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and your partner, Beatrice Salon, you both had a piece on SIGOT.com recently. Um, can you give a little bit of background on, on what she does uh, for a living and, and then what this story was about? Yeah, well, Beatrice, I met her when I was playing in Sweden. Uh, she worked at the club. Um, 
and uh, she's actually a physiotherapist. Um, so I have my own kind of personal trainer, which is kind of lovely. Um, but uh, she she's been a physiotherapist for for many uh, you know football teams, professional teams in in, in Scandinavia, and she's uh, the physio for um, the Swedish handball national team. So, you know, she's been with them at the at the the last Olympics and she's a chance again, you know, they would like her to go back to Brazil this summer as well to, to go back to go with them and she's been part of the European Championship. So um yeah, she loves it. Uh she loves her job and um, you know, talking about the piece that, that uh you guys helped uh, get published out there. Um it was very interesting. Uh uh, you know, as I get older and um, I, uh, with social media and everything, I'd like to get I'd like to for people to get uh, to know maybe more about me. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. just a football, a soccer player. There's more to a soccer player. You know, we're, we're more than just somebody who just kicks the ball around. Um, and whether people like it or not, you know, um, we do have brains or we do have a personality outside of the field. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the the story how that came about, you know, me and Bay, I just, uh, she, she loves to write and, you know, she, she's a very sarcastic, funny, funny woman. And so we just try to combine both our sides of, um, you know, on the field, off the field presence and, and, you know, article for people to get to know us kind of better. And that was, I think a cool article, I think with that people can, um, can enjoy, um, uh, with meeting Cristiano Ronaldo in, in Miami and hanging out with him. And, uh, Hopefully I won't get dribbled by him again like like we did in <laughs> in that World Cup game. But um, I hope we we have the chance to create a uh, you know sh- uh, show people other sides of of not just me but of us you know as as a, I guess soccer couple on and off the field. Well, there was a, a video that I don't know if you're intending for it to go viral, but it did go viral of you and and Bea on on the field and you taking her out with with some force. <laughs> uh what what happened there <laughs> yeah well no it was uh, it was no intention i had no idea it would go viral like it did but uh it was just uh we were just uh hanging out having a good time um we uh, she was just working out i had just finished my training session at the club and uh she came to pick me up and we just started messing around dribbling and um kicking the ball around and you know one thing led to another and uh, we're both competitors and she just said come on i can dribble you uh and I let her, and then she was like, no, I know you're letting me. Like, I want you to try for real. Okay, so being the competitive people we are and, you know, always having a good time and joking around, I said, okay, fine. And that's the video that <laughs> that ensued from that uh, from that process. So it, it ended up pretty funny, and I, she just said, yeah, post it, see if you get a response from it. And I guess people enjoyed it, and, you know, they can relate to it. Were you surprised by how big it got and the response it got all over Europe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, then you have some of those people who take it for the wrong reasons. You know, how can I be so tough on a girl? But come on, it's all fun and games. Gotcha. Um, So I wanted to ask you about something else, too. And that was last year, I guess, was the first time this had come out, um, that you came close last year to joining the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Word was that you were close to joining the Colorado Rapids earlier this year. What happened? and, And would you be interested in coming to MLS? Yeah, uh, last year was the first, uh, last summer, yeah, it was the first time that I actually really had, um, you know, uh, close, ongoing, like, talks with the MLS. Um, first, it was Philly. Um, it got 
pretty far, but then, you know, obviously it takes three parties for, to agree on everything. So, um, I wasn't, I guess, totally ready to jump and the club was not ready to, to let me go at all. Um, so those talks went, you know, didn't pan out. And then the Colorado move was actually, I think a little bit closer to happening, but once again, you know, the club decided not against it and uh, couldn't agree on a fee and everything. So, um, and you know, I have no regrets about anything that's happened. It's all part of the process. Um, uh, obviously when that happened, I was able to just focus again on, on soccer and I've been in great form ever since, you know, late December. So, um, I'm happy here, you know, but at the same time, uh, I'm, I'll be, uh, I'm not going to lie and say that I, ha- I have no interest in going back to MLS because it, it's it's there, you know, I'd like to eventually playing in MLS. And, you know, with the birth of my son and everything, uh, I would, uh, would love to, to have him, you know, grow up in, in the States where I grew up and be able to play uh, in front of my family and friends a lot more than I have. You know, I've, I've been in Europe nine years now and, um, I've had a great experience and I'm still ambitious, ambitious. I hope I can, you know, get to maybe another level. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the States is, I'm, I'm thinking about going back to the States eventually, you know, and I'd like to be a part of MLS, which is growing at an awesome pace. And, you know, it's, I enjoy watching it here on Eurosport here in France. Nice. Is it something where there's even the possibility of this summer or is that still up in the air? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think it's still up in the air, but uh, there's a possibility, maybe, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say there's zero chance, um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll sit down this summer after the season is, is over and see what my options are and, and the possibilities that are out there. But, but for now, you know, I hope we can finish the season here strong and, you know, finish, I hope, top six, which can maybe uh, guarantee a, a place in, in European football, which would be great for, for the club. Nice. Uh, you know, next week we have two big U.S. World Cup qualifiers, both of them against Guatemala. First one in Guatemala, then the second one in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, what are your thoughts right now on the U.S. team and these two qualifiers coming up? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what the roster looks like. You know, obviously we we all looking past 2015. Uh, we all know that it wasn't uh, the best year for the national team, but. We're all very ambitious, and you know it starts with uh, getting out of the group and, and qualifying with the, with strong showings against Guatemala. You know we know if we get the job done, um, two wins with Guatemala, then we can look forward to to you know the, the next round and everything. So um, uh, we'll be interesting to see how the roster will be. Um, I feel like maybe it can be a little bit different, new, um, some changes. Uh, uh, with some new players coming in that I haven't had the chance to play with yet, maybe. Um, so if I if I get called up, you know, I don't even know if I'm called up yet. <laughs> but um, this is an interesting uh, one yeah, here. I, I think, think everybody's you, hungry. What? I don't mean to interrupt, uh, but like fans, I think assume that like you know at this stage in time, like if you're going to come in, and and the fact is that you don't know for sure, right? No, I mean we get preliminary rosters. You know, there's always a preliminary list that comes out, and that probably goes out to you know a wide range of players. And then, uh, then there's a final list. And as of now, you know, uh, it's still up in the air. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the, yeah. So for fans, you know, the players don't know. Uh, they, I guess, they have an idea, but they don't really fully know until pretty much almost the last minute. So, um, um, yeah. But like I said, I, I think whoever gets called in, we're, we're all hungry to, to to prove that 
we're, we've put 2015 behind us and that we're all hungry and ambitious to, to do it better and know that we're capable of a lot better. And when we're all doing well, each other and as a team, uh, I know that this team has can be very strong. Lastly, just wanted to ask you, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that, you know, you're, there's a lot more going on with you off the field and you're not just about soccer. What are some of the, the biggest interests that you have out there? Yeah, well, I, no, I like, um, I've always been like a business minded person. So, you know, I mean, if you want to call me an entrepreneur or whatever it is, uh, I have other interests outside of, of soccer, you know, um, Lately, you know, in the past couple of years, I've been more into the art, art scene, art world. So I'm actually, you know, um, I've invested in a couple of artists who I don't know if you want to say I manage them or whatever, but, uh, you know, I collaborate with and, nice. and hopefully that can pan out. Um, my family being Colombian, we have a deep uh, love for coffee. Um, we have a, a family farm in Colombia, Finca, as they call them in Colombia. Nice that um that produces coffee and we roast it uh do everything with it and, and we have a coffee shop on the way hopefully in south florida cool um yeah i've already got everything set up and run and and my family was just actually in Colombia at, at the family farm checking out the coffee beans and everything um is it finca bedoya as well excuse me is it called finca bedoya no it's actually the, the it's cafe jesus martin okay Cool. Is a, is a brand, yes. So my, my sister will be running it. She's the she's the expert. Um, uh, and then uh, yeah, I just have other 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 interests, you know, with real estate and everything going on. So uh, I have my hands full, you know. <laughs> every day I like to 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 go on, you know, different uh, read up on different uh, entrepreneurial uh, things going on in the world, and you know, I've invested in some tech startups as well. So. Uh, I just like to, to be full. I don't know if you want to call that ADHD or whatever it is, but <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm a better person when, when I'm busy and have things going on. And so, Well, very cool. Well, I, I will say this. Your Twitter feed is one of the, the better athlete Twitter feeds around at Ale Bedoya 17 uh, And really enjoyed talking to you, Ale. Thanks for joining the Planet Football Podcast. Oh, thank you, Grant. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The NBA season is hitting its home stretch, and the SI.com Podcast Network has the show for you to follow the Golden State Warriors and their quest for history and everything else going on in the NBA. The Open Floor Podcast has two shows a week. The latest has Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver debating whether Ben Simmons or Brennan Ingram should be the number one pick in this summer's NBA draft, and the other has Lee Jenkins interviewing some of the league's biggest names, including Jimmy Butler and the Chicago Bulls All-Star. So check out the Open Floor Podcast on SI.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. All right, welcome back. Thank you again, Alejandro Bedoya, for the time. Uh, always an entertaining listen. He's one of the more um, humorous, uh, introspective, and, and just open U.S. soccer players, I think, that we have. And there are a bunch of them. Jeff Cameron, who we just had on uh, a couple weeks ago, Hercules Gomez, a, a lot of guys with, with some good personalities. Alejandro, definitely one of those. Um, he figures to be part of the World Cup qualifiers coming up against Guatemala Grant. Um, but there's a decision for, for Jurgen Klinsmann to make when it comes to some of his other players. World Cup qualifiers are Olympic qualifiers. These games are happening on the same days, March 25th and 29th. U.S. needs the 23, U23s need to beat Colombia to make the Olympics. And 
Jürgen Klinsmann puts a lot of emphasis on making the Olympics and getting these this exposure and experience for his young players. So for guys like DeAndre Edlin, John Brooks, Jordan Morris, Matt Miazga, guys who are eligible for both teams and could easily play for both teams, uh, I guess where where do you see the breakdown going and, and what do you think is more important for the program? Well, I don't have any exact answers on who's going to be on which team, but uh, from some of the calls I've made, the sense I am getting is Jordan Morris will be on the Olympic team, uh, that uh, DeAndre Yedlin likely will be on the senior team, um, that uh, John Brooks maybe has a better chance of being on the Olympic team. He played with them um, a few months ago when they went down to Brazil. Uh, Gideon Zalalem probably going to be part of the Olympic team. Curious to see if Christian Pulisic is part of the Olympic team. Um, and Miazga hasn't been playing a heck of a lot at all lately with Chelsea, so you would think if he's going to get called in, better chances for the Olympic team. Uh, you have to keep in mind, I mean, World Cup qualifying is World Cup qualifying, and the U.S. has no guarantees. I mean, they got off to a decent start, but you want to get six points from these two games against Guatemala. And so, yes, it's important to qualify for the Olympics, but at the same time, that is not as big a deal as World Cup qualifying. For sure. Um, and it's it's one of those weird things too, right? I mean, they can pretty much wrap up their their place in the hex if they take six points off Guatemala in, in these two games. And then the uh, the games later in the fall uh, against Trinidad and Tobago and St. Vincent, assuming the place is already in hand, they can be used as, as cap-tying games for some of the dual nationals that aren't right. fully cap-tied yet. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, you would think that at this point, an A minus B plus U.S. team could beat Guatemala. If you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you should have the confidence in in the player pool that you have to pull that off, especially at home to take the three points in Columbus. Um, it's it's a toss up. I mean, look the the Columbia U twenty threes finished second in in their qualifying tournament, um, and I would say that it's safe to say the South American qualifying tournament a little more. Uh, treacherous than than the u.s qualifying or the con concacaf qualifying tournament uh i don't i don't know that u.s soccer wants to stomach another failure on the olympic level and and i know the olympics don't mean everything to to everyone um you know they're not on the fifa calendar it's a u23 tournament with overage players but it's it's still something where the u.s needs to start to point to to moments on the youth level where you, at least as milestones like we made it you know we we competed, we were at this level. Um, and there just haven't been enough of those lately. So I, I could see the argument for really stacking up the U23 team and, and putting a lot of eggs in that basket. And I think it would be a really nice thing if the U.S. were able to qualify for the Men's Olympic Tournament. Uh, you know, it, is it something, it's a little bit like Confederations Cup, right? Where if you, if you make it, it can be a helpful thing, especially if you're the U.S., maybe not so much other countries, uh, same goes for the U.S. and the Olympics. You know, we haven't seen the U.S. men's team qualify for the Olympics since 08. Um, and I think that is a good experience for a certain age of guys to go over and um, and be able to play in tournament soccer against, you know, and learn and learn the pressure of what that's like when it's maybe not as high a stakes as, as the World Cup. But, um, you know, I... It's hard to do anything prediction-wise, you know, looking ahead to, to Columbia. I guess I'm just kind of glad that these games are going to be available on easy-to-watch TV and, and will make for, uh, you know, two more interesting games in addition to the qualifiers. Absolutely. Back-to-backs, I believe, if the uh, times are, are I'm getting all right. So that those would be 
couple of interesting days. Really unprecedented, right? I mean, just so much on the line for, for a pair of different teams um, on the same day. It should be cool. Um, and I, I wonder if they'll be wearing the, the new U.S. jerseys. That should be coming out the day. They will be. Yeah, we're recording um, the day of the of the jersey reveal. Um, be interesting to see the, uh, the response, but you can also give us your thoughts uh, on that. We're going to have a piece on Planet Football that you can check out all about that. So we are interested in what you think about the new kits. Uh, and Grant, I think... It's going to do it for us. Um, one thing, though, definitely hit your newsstands uh, and pick up the SI Magazine this week. Grant has a great story on Leicester City. Uh, Grant, you were over there, got to experience some of the magic. Uh, also, I have a really cool story about that American couple um, whose last name is going to be the Foxes. They root for the Foxes. I thought that was incredibly cool. Um, so definitely make sure to pick that up. Uh, so that will do it for us. For our producer, Alex Abnos, Alejandro Bedoya, thank you again. For Grant Wall, I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you next week on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.